Welcome to Freaks and Creeks, the Dawson's Creek podcast, a show where four millennials who missed the boat 25 years ago take the dive for the first time. Join us as we experience a series with a fresh perspective and see if our analysis experiences match up with Dawson at the gig. My name is Cody. Ooh, I'm Stella. I'm Mallory. And I am James. And uh, congrats, well, for- Cody. You did it. Yeah. <laughs> One breath. Woo-hoo. I want to hear a round of applause from everybody listening at home. That was in one breath. Uh, Yeah, good job, Cody. Uh, This week we are talking about (laughs) season two, episode seven of Dawson's Creek, the all-nighter. But first, we have a few things to talk about, Stella. Yes, this week in Capeside Correspondence, we just want to give a little shout out to our number one fan, Chris C., who uh, messaged us us on Instagram, when, in response to our stories when we were recording after a long break, saying, thanks to the Creek go- Creek's gods, I've been missing you so much. And Chris, we've been missing you. We've been missing all our dear fans. Um, we appreciate you. We love that you're still with us listening. Thank you so much. And follow us on our Instagram, Freaks and Creek. Pod Freaks and Creeks Pod. Something like I think that. so. Let me check. Let me just check really quick. Been a while. At Freaks and Creeks Pod. Oh, here yes. I have a. I have Freaks it right and here. Freaks Pod. At Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. And if you guys want a little behind the scenes to what you were just listening to, I I just recorded an Instagram story as we were talking. No. So how does that even work? I don't what? understand. Wowie. I know you guys are going to see that soon, and then when you're listening to this in the future, you'll never be able to see it. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy how that works? Time is pretty, pretty wild. Time is a flat circle. With that, should we get into the show? Is yes, it that time? Please. All right. Well, this week, as we talked about, we are going to be discussing season two, episode seven, titled The All-Nighter. This episode was released on November 18th, 1998. Turkey Day is right around the corner. <laughs> the Thanksgiving spirit is high. And you know what? It's time to just study for a a midterm in Cape side (laughs) synopsis of the show in all night study session rates friction and unveils some surprises for Dawson and his friends. They still haven't fixed that typo. Yeah. I don't (laughs) understand if there's one thing that this show can do. I hope is that we can apply some pressure for them to fix that typo on HBO. (laughs) If, if I've learned anything from these writer strikes and, uh, and actor strikes is that Warner brothers is a terrific studio that always knows what they're doing. And uh, I'm just shocked that Max has a typo on their uh, Dawson's Creek thing. They've also proven to be very receptive to feedback and they like to listen to people when they ask for things. So I'm sure if we just really bombard them with requests to create, to fix this typo, they, they will. I'm sure. Uh, this is all a joke. Please join a union. Um, okay. So this episode was written by Greg Berlanti and directed by our best friend, David Semmel, who has, I don't even know how many episodes he's directed or been involved in. It feels like if it's, if he's not in the writer's seat or the producer's seat, he's in the director's seat or vice versa. He's got his fingerprints all over this show. I wonder if he's an executive producer as well. I wonder. Cause he's definitely involved a lot. Yeah. It's almost as though David Semmel is a character in that of itself. Whoa. What if David is actually Dawson? What if David is actually Capeside? Whoa, whoa. Um, this episode has a lot of things. It's got the coolest shot of the entire show so far, in my opinion. Um, and I mean both seasons. Uh, it's got a brand new location. It's got several new characters, and it's got a lot of emotional panting. But otherwise, 
I uh, I don't I don't know how much more this episode has, but I think it's time for us to talk about it. Cody, go ahead and take us away. It's movie night in Dawson's bedroom, but instead of Dawson talking movie facts to Joey, he's spitting movie facts to his very emotional mother, Gail, as they watch 70s Shakespeare adaptations. Gail notes Dawson's complete lack of wallowing while praising the advantages of being broken up with, mainly eating a lot of junk food, but she does insinuate that painful experiences create character before leaving, while Dawson looks at his bedroom window in sadness. The next day in English lit class, a husky, no-nonsense teacher drills home the fact that their upcoming test is extremely important and offers an after-school study sesh in his classroom. After class, Joey attempts to talk to Dawson, but he bitterly shuts her down, throwing the fact that she wants space right back at her. In the cafeteria, Andy brings up a cosmopolitan-like sexual purity quiz and tries to quiz Pacey, who awkwardly tries to avoid the subject entirely. She switches gears, asking him to come to the after-school study sesh, and he finally agrees only just for her. Meanwhile, during outside gym, Mr. Hottie <laughs> Hunk Hunk Chris tries to flirt with Jen, but she plays a little hard to get. Dawson chats with her afterwards and asks if she's going to the study session. She agrees. However, after school, the gang learns their teacher has gone home sick, canceling the study sesh. But fear not. Horny heartthrob Chris invites Jen over to study with an open invitation to her buds. As word spreads, they all end up jumping into Chris's oversized SUV, only for Dawson and Joey to realize, oh no, you guessed it, they'll be studying together. Oh, poor Dawson. Oh no. I do wonder if this is the origins of the sad boy trope, because... In the first scene, Gail is giving Dawson basically free license to just be a sad boy. Just revel, revel in your sadness and make sure everybody knows how sad you are because it's your right as being a dumpy. When you're talking about the, the sad boy, are you, talking, are you talking about the gif? The, the, the crying gif no, of Dawson? No, I just mean the S-A-D-B-O-I sad oh, boys just sad out boy. there. Yes. yes, okay, for real. Um, yeah, maybe he gets really into Elliot Smith, but... <laughs> Uh, I wonder, I, have we ever seen Dawson cry yet? Have we seen him actually cry? No, I don't think we have. We've seen him do so much blubbering and <laughs> well, like emotional panting, as I mentioned earlier, <laughs> that I feel like we have to have seen him cry, but I can't say that I can remember a single time. I don't think we've actually seen him cry. Like we've seen like a sad face or a, oh yeah, we've seen know, a sad face, but crying. I'm not so sure. I want, cause I, in my, in my memory, which is poor, uh, it seems as though his automatic reaction to being upset is instead of crying, screaming, yes. being very angry. So I wonder if the reason that the Dawson gif crying is mm. so popular amongst the fans is not just because it's funny, but also because maybe it's all leading up to him actually sobbing for the first time and letting mm. out all of that emotional trauma that he's had baggaged up inside his tiny little body mm-hmm. that he's always screamed instead of actually mm. accepted the sadness. I wonder. Yeah. Let it out, Dawson. Let it out. Got to wallow. It's funny because I definitely, he is a very emotional character, right? He is constantly acting on emotion, but it's, but it is, this conversation is making me realize he's not very aware of his emotions. He doesn't really know what he's feeling or why he's feeling it most of the time. And he definitely doesn't know how to articulate his feelings. 
No, not at all. It's almost as though he's a teenage boy. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting that he, here we have Gail. Like, we don't often get to see Gail and Dawson talking, you know, just alone together. And she's the one that kind of points out, like, you know, she knows her son. And she knows that he expresses his, it, his sadness through anger. But mm-hmm. her lesson to him is, you know, you can wallow. You can have those emotions and it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so... I have uh, so I have a question. Did did you guys know what they were watching when yes. the two of them? The Taming of the Shrew. The Taming of the Shrew, indeed. Are any of you guys like Shakespeare fans or anything like that? No, I do have notes on Shakespeare though. And uh-huh. Yeah. So I ask because I I did take a class on Shakespeare's comedies, of which Taming of the Shrew is one of them. And it's also interesting, quick little side note, that they're talking about, Dawson is is talking about Shakespeare and his tragedies, which is... Of course, what he's known for, but they are watching a comedy. Also, Gail says it's so. This is so sad, but it's, it's a comedy. It's yeah. a comedy, and Taming of the Shrew. Well, <laughs> let's get into it. Yeah. It's it's a little bit of a problematic play. It's actually a play that a lot of people kind of uh, like hate in the modern day and age because it's basically, as the name implies, all about the taming of this shrewish woman. Uh, and if we make the analog really quickly, which I'm just going to do right now, that shrew is Joey. And Ooh, the, okay. the protagonist in the, the play is a character by the name Petruchio. Um, and he's a very assertive hero who is trying to tame the shrew. So Petruchio would be Dawson in this case. Um, so the whole play really, like the main themes of it are like gender roles and power dynamics and basically about the treatment of women and how that that treatment of women then kind of like shapes the people that they become. The reason this play is so problematic is because it kind of the whole, this shrewish woman, her name is Catherine or Kate in the play. She, by the end of it, she, in the beginning, she's very willful. She's got a lot of like zeal and she's got her own opinions, much like Joey does. But in the end of it, she basically kind of gets like beat over the head by this guy, Petruchio, that she should be loyal. She should be a servant and she becomes one. And she kind of has this speech, this, this monologue that extols the values and virtues of being loyal to your husband, who is very abusive and manipulative and is completely twisted and turned her whole <laughs> world around into getting her to love him. So I found it very interesting that that's what they were watching in this movie. In this whole time, Dawson's mom is basically saying like, wallow, use your emotions because emotions give you character if only you let them. And he takes that and he basically tries to tame this shrew, Joey, by manipulating and twisting her words against her. He's constantly doing this throughout the entire episode, basically throughout their entire relationship. Um, and there are so many more analogs to Taming of the Shrew that I, that it, as soon as I realized that that's what they were watching, I was like, wow, okay. So yet again, the writer's room has like found a, a source media and then more or less done their version of it in Cape Side. Cause that is, if you, if you like take, the characters and the names and the places out of it and you just like look at the things they're doing, it is basically beat for beat taming of the shrew. That's really Same. funny. I uh, I have a pretty surface level uh, uh, knowledge of Shakespeare. What are their fans called? Spearheads? Sh- shakers? Uh-huh. I th- yeah, I think they're called shakers. the Shakers. Shakers, yeah. So the Shakers out there, uh, don't yell at me, but like one that I am familiar with and I'm a fan of that's also a comedy is Much Ado About Nothing. Mm. And I was like, that was the first thing that came to my mind because only of Pacey and Andy because in Much Ado About Nothing, there's Beatrice and Benedict who are like witty, sarcastic characters that uh, have crushes on each other, but they're like afraid to show it. So instead they just talk shit at each mm. other. I'm like, okay, well that's like kind of an analog. But beyond that, I mean, 
that play has a lot of emotional manipulation. People are tricking each other. Oh yeah. Um, there's a, a piece of shit in that, uh, in that play. I think Don John is the character who's, uh, like basically like pulling the strings and like, like ruining everyone's day. And that just kind of reminded me. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I was like, I was like, Oh, maybe that's it. Cause yeah. like, he's kind of a Chris. So I don't know. Taming a shrew, much better analog, but at least we get a Beatrice and Benedict thing going on. Definitely. Here. Also. Oh, so what I'm hearing, uh, is that Dawson's Creek is Shakespeare. Dawson's yes. Creek is Shakespeare. 100%. Yeah. Just waiting for the day that Dawson, uh, and Joey kill themselves out of love. Yes. <laughs> a lot of people said Shakespeare didn't exist. And I think he did. He just never died and he went on to write Dawson's Creek. <laughs> Another 90s, <laughs> very popular 90s movie that is based on Taming of the Shrew. Ten, Ten Things They Hate About You. you. Very yes. true. Yes. The Taming of the Shrew. Even so, rhymes yeah. with Taming of the Shrew. <laughs> and a, a, <laughs> yeah. another quick little thing there, you know, you you mentioned uh, Much Do About Nothing and of course Taming of the Shrew. Uh, one of the ever-present things about Shakespeare, all those shakers out there, you probably have been screaming this, is like the theme of hiding your identity or like, um, you know, perf- like some element of like your identity or life is just a performance because that's what constantly is happening in, in uh, Taming of the Shrew in Much Ado About Nothing. And in this, epi- in this episode of Dawson's Creek with Chris, right, he is pretending to be somebody in order to win Jen over. Nobody's appearance is real, right? Like nobody in this, in this episode um, is like being kind of genuine with a few exceptions. So I don't know. I, I think that the, it's, this is like a great episode to feature that Shakespeare uh, like theme. And I'm glad it makes me like the episode a lot more, but uh, I'm, I, I don't know if it really saves it yeah. <laughs> in my yeah. opinion. It elevates it a little bit. Um, and I think there's, there's a nice like breaking the fourth wall thing, at least like from a writing perspective for having a dial dialogue from a character is just speaking just from the writer's perspective. But the professor says, this is more than exam people. This is your life. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, Oh yeah, that's pretty that's good. good. <laughs> A good little 90s nugget in that first scene was at the very end um, when Dawson says, you cried at the commercials, Mm. and she says, only that cotton commercial. Does everyone remember the cotton commercial? No. No. I don't. Cotton, the fabric of our lives. Do you remember (laughs) how sad those were? Cotton, fabric of our lives. (laughs) And they were like very sentimental, yeah. 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 That was just like a little like, uh, you know, like unlocked in my (laughs) mind of like, oh, I remember those. Memory unlocked. (laughs) Is there a specific commercial you remember that was like pretty weepy? Well, I went and watched them. So now I like, I went to YouTube and found them. But I just remember like before going back and finding them on YouTube, I just remember them being like sentimental. Like in that song. Mm Did anyone feel like Chris was supposed to like kind of replace Cliff? Totally. Mm. Felt like they had very similar vibes. Like they're both like the jock athlete kind of totally popular guy. I got way more slime ball vibes from Chris than I I also than Cliff, but. But I do agree with what you're saying, though. Like this is an ep- this is a role that I think Cliff would have filled if he was still on the show because he's kind of he was that like hunky heartthrob, mm-hmm. effectively that mm-hmm. Chris is, in my opinion, trying to be in this in this episode. They but, also like kind of look similar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> similar names. I thought that was funny. He's also thirty something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Playing a senior or whatever. I also wish there was a little more consistency with the teachers in the school because it seems like every other time yeah. you see students in a class, someone new yeah. and it's like a different class, like, or at least like say like, Oh, have a throwaway line because this is English lit. So it's like, 
it's like, oh, Pacey, do you remember Miss Jacobs used to teach us? How mm-hmm. do you feel about this now? Or like mm-hmm. anything like that would satisfy me. But it seems like Mr. Gold gone forever. Totally. And- right. And also that like everyone is in like usually in the same class, except for the only person missing this time was Jack. But right. everyone yeah. was in that same class. And that's what's and, kind of interesting. Always, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like I feel like I noted that everybody was in this class except Jack, like yeah. you're saying, which we know, now know is because he's a, a year older or whatever. Same grade, though. same grade. You're right. So he, but, who knows why? But everybody's the in the same class. We don't. Um, we almost never see everybody in the same class. Mm-hmm. Like usually, they're they're separated. They're like maybe biology when they had the frog experiment with Pacey and Joey is like oh, one yeah. of the few times yeah. where there's actually been crossover. So it's kind of like maybe just convenient, but it was also interesting. I was like, oh, I wonder what this class would have been like with all four of your friends mm-hmm. in it together. Yeah, I remember, mm-hmm. I mean, my high school wasn't, I mean, it was big, but wasn't that big. And I think I only had like a handful of classes totally. where I would have more than one friend in the class and nothing got done. Yeah, but of I course. Mean, always looking so forward to those classes. But for them, it's like, they basically, it's just every day, they're constantly together. Yeah. So the, so the intro to that, that class scene, did everyone notice that there's someone is drawing a mustache on mm-hmm. the mascot on yes. a journal? Uh-huh. It's Jen. You can't oh. tell like right away, but... I was like, okay, it's got to be one of the characters, and then like they're like looking through, you know, you're, you see the whole class, and like I could see like the her, it was her sleeve, so she's the one that's like at the very beginning, that little vandal, yeah, <laughs> which tracks with her like kind of like attitude this episode where she's like, I don't know, I'm just I don't really care about studying, and you know, I'm just gonna like go with the flow and see how it goes, and like I don't yeah. know. I've been trying to kind of figure Jen out because yeah. she this episode she. I mean, she has a lot that I think happens to her and that she kind of does, but she's generally kind of has this vibe of like, she's given up. Yep. Which yeah. is like very melancholy, yeah. very depressed this episode. Yeah, you're trying to figure out Jen. I think the writers are trying to figure <laughs> yes, out Jen. Exactly. Like they really don't know what to do with her anymore. No. Well, so this is where I have to come back to the Taming of the Shrew and the analogs there. So in the Taming of the Shrew, the plot is ostensibly about this couple that I mentioned, Catherine and Petruchio, but but bef- the reason that, that is the central plot is in order for, really it's all about this, her, her sister, Bianca, is like the most beautiful daughter in this town and everybody's in love with mm. her. But before she can get married to this rich suitor, the dad is like, well, you got to marry my fucking ugly, horrible <laughs> older daughter. Nobody loves her. She's terrible. A shrew. If you uh, she is a absolute shrew. And that's where Petruchio comes in and he's like, well, I'm going to just make her a woman and she'll love me. So in this case, <laughs> I kind of see Bianca as Jen. She is this like yeah. beautiful, yeah. everybody loves her, everybody wants her, but before they can have her, they need to tame Joey. And Dawson, I don't know, Mal is like making faces at I me. I just made a realization okay. because, you're, uh, well, they also mention, uh, Cam- well, this is later, Dina says Cameron Diaz or Julia Roberts, which is like, Jen yes. is like the Cameron Diaz and then, you know, it's kind of, you know, That's similar. Yeah. yeah. Very. Mm. Yeah. So I I see Jen as Bianca, and that makes me think that like in in the play, J- Bianca is like she is fulfilling the stereotypical woman's role. She is very subservient. She's basically just deferring to the men around her, whereas 
Joey, Catherine in the play, she is like rejecting the gender role that is given to her, which is basically exactly what we're seeing kind of in this one where like Jen isn't necessarily playing like the stereotypical woman, but she's being very just kind of like whatever the world throws at me is what I'm going to get. I'm not going to ask for what I actually want. Why do you think like I'm doing this? It's because, you know, this is what the world's giving me. And Joey is very much like, Eh, you know, like fuck the world. I'm going to get what I want. So this bipolar character that we have where, where it's like Jen can't be figured out. I think it's because they're really trying to just like do a very blatant homage to this play. They really just are Mm -hmm. adapt, adapting the character names. Yeah. And it makes it feel very like out of place, out of time, out of the universe. Right. Cause like, did we all feel like this episode was fucking weird? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's why. Yeah. 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 It's because they're like trying so hard to make it a Shakespeare homage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, um, I just kept feeling like, like what we still don't really know what Joey and Jen want for themselves. It just feels like we're taking these like very small steps towards like getting anywhere with their development. Um, and, and also that kind of let like, to my confusion about like, what does Joey want in terms of her relationship with Dawson? Like in that first act, we see her like go up to him mm-hmm. and like, she's the one that wanted space. And then she's like, well, can we talk? Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, what are you doing? Joey? It, yeah. It just didn't really make sense to me. I mean, I understand that she probably still wants to maintain the friendship, but it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then like later we see when he doesn't give her space and he's talking to her, she's like, Give me space. Right. I, yeah. And I could see how that could be confusing for him, I guess. Yeah. yeah this, uh, this episode just in general has very weird character writing for some of these people yes. acting like very out of character. Yes. Um, I feel like uh, Pacey has written very well. He's very true to who he is. And I think um, even though like this, some of this Jen stuff doesn't really make much sense, there's like some other stuff that does and it's like very true to character. But overall, like Dawson, I feel is like way off and way yeah. on. It's weird. And if it is because they were just like, I don't know, they wrote themselves into a corner by trying to like adapt Shakespeare. Maybe that's why. And they were just like trying to push people in directions they shouldn't be going just to fit whatever fucking brainiac's idea was to do this. I don't know. Well, it's it's also weird because like I, I think that the everybody is giving these weird performances where it feels very theatrical. I mean, I can't think of any other word. Like look at Andy throughout this episode. She is such a physical, she's doing such a physical performance throughout the entire thing. Almost like she's on stage. She's doing these huge like physical (laughs) gestures and movements throughout the whole thing. She is also like super heightened. It's like she's in mega control control. of Mm. this event. Supposedly. (laughs) Yeah. Supposedly. (laughs) But it, it, everybody is just so like caricaturized that it 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 feels very strange, you know. Mm-hmm. But even Andy, who is like playing a version of herself, which might be authentic because she's kind of the brainiac, steady, goody two shoes. She doesn't. It doesn't track for her. And like Pacey, he. He wants to go to the study session because it's at Chris's house and he's like the richest kid in town. Like, let's go play with his toys. Basically, why would Andy give a fuck about that? Andy's also rich. She's, I mean, not like currently rich, but she's from money. So why does she really care? Why wouldn't, I don't, you know, like it's this, the writing is so convenient and bad while Mm -hmm. they're trying to make it so good and deep. In my opinion, it just doesn't Mm -hmm. work for me. 
Yeah, if anything, like the there's a lot of obvious avenues for where these characters could have gone. Like I imagine like Andy could have been like, well, let's do our own study session the entire time Pacey's trying to like have sex or something. Yes. She says, yeah. well, I want to study. And then they find like some kind of weird sexual compromise. Never mind. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or like, I don't know. Just like, yeah, it's there's like so many easier ways to tell the story that they're trying to tell without forcing all of this weird narrative like the, the beats yeah. don't make much sense they and don't they're very surface level too like there were a few mm-hmm. moments where things should have gone deeper even in this structure and they didn't and it was like just like you're saying maybe just because they were trying to yeah. push this story of like the shakespeare story or, i, I don't know it, it to me totally comes back to that because everything that we're complaining about is like these weird artificial things which really kind of reinforces the theme one of the themes of the play which i think that they're playing with here which is performance and identity yeah. and appearance in reality right everybody is performing everybody is being this weird version of themselves and none of them are being true or authentic and this all sounds really good if it was written well exactly <laughs> <laughs> like i i love any kind of plot that deals with identity obviously we've talked about twin peaks like yes. crazy here i mean that's all lynch is but uh like any kind of narrative that deals with people like hiding behind any kind of facade, that's my shit. Here, it just feels very yes, awkward. It very, does. very awkward. Yes. It feels Agreed. like it was put on stage and then they filmed it. Yep. <laughs> Speaking of a facade, I just want to point out that that aimless outdoor PE class was one of the weirdest settings for anything so far in the show. Because I don't know, like, in what world do you have PE where, if you want, sit on the bleachers? Yeah. Uh, other people, yeah. you can just stretch the entire time. Other people are forced to run track. Like, there's, like, so much going on, which is good. Like, I like a background having people living their own lives. That's important to make things totally. look cinematic. But here it was, like, so fucking aimless. Like, no one had any notes. So people are just like, I'm just going to go over and sit. Yeah. I don't think that's, I think that's very accurate. Like, yeah. I remember, like, having to do track and then some people being like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. I'm going to sit out. Or I have like a, med- a doctor's note. Yes. So like I can't run. And I'm, oh, yeah, I wish not my experience. <laughs> I remember I had, I was forced to do the mile run after mm. I had like the stomach flu <laughs> and I was like, can I not do oh this? God. I feel horrible. It was like seven in the morning and I got a wow. whistle blown in my face. <laughs> I got second to last. <laughs> I got Good out job. of it because I was a runner. <laughs> you got what? I got out of it because I was a runner. We run every day. Like, so we didn't oh. have to do it. Wow. Nice. <laughs> I know. My PE class was definitely not this aimless, but we did kind of like, you did definitely have the kids who were just like, no, I'm not going to do that. And yeah. then the PE teacher would be like, cool, well. Um, they can't like force you to run. Then you got to go play volleyball. And they're like. It's like in Clueless, in the movie Clueless, where she's like. I can't, I can't have balls flying at my face (laughs) or whatever, you know, (laughs) ridiculous excuses like that. You know, Chris in that scene, he says, Jenna Lish delish. Yes. Uh, Also like the note, the note that he passed her, like just smile. smile. Oh my God. Immediately made me hate him right there. Like first thing. That's so weird. Cause it made me love him. It just melted my heart. (laughs) Romantic. Also when, um, Da- uh, when Pacey goes to like invite Dawson to the study set, yeah. he calls him little buddy. Little buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, so little hard. buddy. <laughs> Speaking of weird, awkward, like things, that is a weird, awkward thing. Why in the fuck would Dawson be like, oh yeah, a study session that Pacey knows about? I want to go to that. Yeah. Super weird. And I thought it was weird that like Pacey and Andy didn't communicate about yeah. Both inviting Dawson and Joey. Like, yeah. Of course, that's going to be really weird for everyone. Flashback to last episode where the same thing happened and they didn't communicate about inviting, yes. you yeah. know, Ooh, Jack for, Je- for Jen. You know, it's like the right. same thing is happening over and over again, but mm-hmm. it's like shifting who it's targeting this time. I wonder if that 
will have an impact at some point on their relationship. I wonder. They can't seem to communicate. Mm. But they do always. Yeah. They always get it right in the end. Yeah. Well, anything else for Act One? No. Yeah. Let's get I out think, of here. Yeah. Let's go run a mile. Yes. <laughs> We arrive at Crass's. Crass's? Let me start over. <laughs> Can we just call him Crass the rest of the time? Yeah, never mind. We're going to keep it. We arrive at Crass's Capeside Mansion, giving the gang the lay of the land while introducing them to his annoyingly precocious little shit of a sister, Dina. <laughs> After Andy has to round up a distracted by satellite TV Pacey, they settle on the living room to begin the study sesh. It immediately goes off the rails as Crass brings up ordering a P-I-Z-Z-A. And both he and Jen leave to check out his parents' wine collection. Jen is flabbergasted that Crass isn't overtly trying to go to the boom boom room. And they shake hands and allowing themselves to get to know one another first. Mm -hmm. As time passes, the gang studies until Crass gets his hands on the previously mentioned purity test from Andy's magazine. They decide to take a break and participate in tallying their scores, taking turns reading the questions. A montage of giggles, huzzahs, and zingers commence. Joey gets a little eeked out by Dawson's presence after a question regarding how many times someone has fallen in love. He follows her to the kitchen, and they get in a minor tiff, where she reiterates that she needs some time and space. As one exits, another enters. Our girl Dina pops in to point Dawson towards some coffee as well as overtly flirting with him. Thankfully, our titular hero is not into it. <laughs> Back. <laughs> Thankfully. Back with the group. Auntie reads everyone's scores. However, Pacey's answer sheet is missing. Crass, being the <laughs> Machiavellian monster he is, brings up the question regarding older sexual partners and the affair with Miss Jacobs. <gasps> Andy, struck with shock, leaves the room in utter despair. Okay. I want to talk about the entrance into Chris's house. Excuse you? Crass? <laughs> oh. <laughs> C-R-A-S-S-S. Crass's house. Um... Okay, so we've been talking about Shakespeare and the, all of the characters kind of being, like, playing a role, mm -hmm. right? So I wasn't initially thinking of this in this, like, in this way, but because you kind of brought up this Shakespeare reality. structure. Reality. Um, I, I think that, like, this entry into Chris's house, is kind of, it's almost like setting the stage for, like, mm. everyone. So as they enter, Chris obviously enters his house first. He opens the door for Jen, Jen's next. She is it, that this whole thing. I kind of think kind of is kind of setting up everyone's motivations or goals for the episode. Like this, yes. like where they're standing mm -hmm. in his entrance and what they're all doing. So um, she, Jen's kind of smirking and looks impressed by the house, but ultimately steps away, crossing her arms, looking unsure and uncomfortable. Um, and then we have Dawson. He's in mild awe, you know, like mm -hmm. he kind of, he has, he's, his family is a little wealthy. They have a nice house. He's in mild awe, but unimpressed since his mind is also elsewhere. Totally. Um, then Joey veers off, avoiding Dawson while observing the grandeur of the house. Then she also crosses her arms, mirroring Jen. Mm. And they're kind of like both in that same position. Right. Opposite sides. Opposite sides. Um, Andy intently clutches her books. You know, she's in control. Nerd. But also like, yeah, she has a very clear goal for, for mm. this 
night. Brainiac. Uh, and then Pacey's last. He's kind of has his mouth agape. He's he kind of escapes to the bar, t- the TV room. Like he has a secret mm. and he wants to get away. True. Mm. Yeah. Where's the TV room? In the den, the boy's den, the man cave, yeah, if you exactly. will. Mm. He's hiding so, in his own disgusting uh, sexual, yes. I don't know, prison. And then <laughs> we, of course, then have Dina reading YM, teen magazine. Yeah. <laughs> And she's kind of off, you know, she interacts with Chris only yeah. in that kind moment, of hiding but she's kind of everybody. hiding. Yeah. Behind, in like the office, isn't that what it was? It was like, like a den or something. I, or I don't, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. She was behind a desk of some yeah. sort. So. I mean, she's really the one that runs everything. She's the boss of the house, yeah. of Crass's house. I think so. Dina think Diner ghost, runs the show. <laughs> you think what? Sorry. I think she's a ghost. Oh, interesting. Talk about that later. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I feel like the show should be called Dina's Creek because she is <laughs> way cooler than Dawson. Sorry, Cody. <laughs> I know you have some thoughts on Dina. I just, I mm-hmm. fucking, like, my least favorite trope character is the precocious child. Like, the finger, I feel you. The finger wagon, like, well, I'm a little, I'm 12 years old, but yeah. I read the encyclopedia. Like, so yeah, I looked her up and she is 12. Oh yeah, I, I looked it up that. too. Yeah. Okay, okay. So this was the age I was when Dawson's Creek was on. So I like that's me. So what you're <laughs> saying? That's me. What you're saying? That's right not now? you. You're I'm not in middle school. No, I'm just saying like I like not really thinking about like who like uh, what age I was yeah. when Dawson's Creek was on. Mm-hmm. Like that's the age I was. Was like that middle school like her room with the posters. Like yeah, you know. It's just so like, what you're that's, saying right now, Cody, yeah. is that you hate my wife? Okay. <laughs> My also, twelve year old wife. Your, you hate Mal. You are not Dina. You were no, never a Dina. precocious little shit. No, no, no. You're just not Cross's age, sister. I, <laughs> I just mean like age, age wise. Like, what were was that age group watching Dawson's Creek? Like, she mm-hmm. does she represent like? Well, apparently not because you were twelve at yeah, this time. And you I wasn't, watching. but I know people that did. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, also, she was in Parent Trap. She was like the like mm. mean girl at camp. Oh, yeah. That's fun. Yeah. The greatest film of all time, Parent Trap, with Lindsay Lohan. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the goat, if you will. Uh, I just like Dina's existence in this. I mean, I don't even know where to start. I mean, clearly, like later on, she gets a, an earful from Joey, which is like, and, I, and it makes me feel like D- Dina only, no. well, also Dawson <laughs> too. An earful from Dawson, a lesson from Joey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the, the, it's only, she only exists as like a vessel surrogate for an audience to know what Joey is feeling in that moment for Joey to later give a speech about what her like mm-hmm. ideology is around love. Uh, so this character is, I hate her like <laughs> a, as a character that exists only for this. And then for her later to be like a horny child, another disgusting trope. I do not want her no. sticky, horny little fingers all over Dawson. And I don't want Dawson anywhere near Dina. So, uh, <laughs> Okay, here's where I'm going to step in and put my cool Shakespeare hat back on and explain why I think Dina actually is cool, milady. Is <laughs> Thank you. <No. laughs> so you're totally right. Dina is like an awful character. What I think is she's emblematic of another theme from the play and she is there to teach Dawson a lesson about power dynamics and gender roles because she is effectively flipping the like the dynamic here by being a horny sex pest that normally that's like what Dawson or Pacey would be. Certainly. They would be the one that's like pesting some girl into falling in love with them or 
But instead now, instead of it being them, it is a little girl. And instead of them chasing a woman, it's a little girl chasing them. So they're now like being put in the position that they are putting women in, women and girls in throughout their life. And this whole time, Dawson is supposed to be learning like how to be a good partner. He's trying to like learn how to like win Joey back or something like that. He's, he's also tame. He's trying to tame the shrew that is Joey. And that's also what Dina is trying to do to Dawson. She is trying to tame Dawson and get him to come over to her sides and give him a little smooch, give him a little kiss because she's got a crush on him. So she is giving him what he is giving Joey in a very like, in a different way, of course, because they're different characters in a different sit- like context. But yes, and actually, my read was like that, where maybe that Dina represents Dawson as a young, Dawson and Joey both as younger yeah. selves of themselves. Totally, she only interacts with with them the entire time. That's why I was like, yeah. she, she's a ghost. But you know, <laughs> yeah, she, that's a good point. She only interacts with Dawson and Joey, and then Chris at the beginning because it's her brother. But Crass. like, Crass. Crass. Chris? But in, yeah, I, I think that she represents many things. Yeah, this I, I kind of like got this sense that she was kind of like this like mischievous little troublemaker trying to just like mm-hmm. egg Dawson on throughout and being like, well, I have the quiz. Oh, yeah, definitely. Totally. Yeah. Uh, but now that we're talking about Shakespeare, um, it reminded me of A Midsummer's Night Dream, A Midsummer Night's Dream. There's Puck, who's mm-hmm. a mischievous fairy in it, and he's just kind of like yeah. causing mischief throughout the episode. And now I kind of definitely think of her as, mm. as little Puck. Well, yeah. It's exhausting. <laughs> it's just like this is like Book of Henry garbage, and it makes me want to die. I love it. But interesting. I mean, I think maybe Cody, I can't remember if you said you were going to talk about this later, but the like the relationship between um, Dina wanting Dawson and then we have mm-hmm. the Miss Jacobs affair coming up. So it's um, an interesting little mirror there. Age dynamics. Yeah. Inappropriate age dynamics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that this shows like, wait, a 16 year old kissing a 13 or 11 year old. No way. That's weird. But a 37 year old having sex with a 15 year old. Awooga. And the, the, original, <laughs> the original reason I like, that I knew that she was 12 is because I looked up her age. Cause I was like really hoping that she'd be 15. And then uh, yeah. right. and I'd be like, Oh, so that yeah. is like what that dynamic would be. But um, yeah. Did anyone ever do one of these types of quizzes? I mean, I remember like stuff like this, not necessarily like a purity test, but I remember quizzes and totally. magazines and th- having fun doing those, you know, how Friends. I learned I was fat. <laughs> a test. Yeah. A test I didn't know until like scored like 80 out of a hundred for the fat test. <laughs> Yeah, it seems Are like you thinking of Oreos right now? Yeah. Coincidentally, I am. <laughs> Such a like, I remember like doing those like by myself or maybe with like a friend. Yeah. But to do it in like a big group and it seemed like pretty like. Yeah. It was a hundred uh, questions. Yeah. And yeah. like um, very like revealing questions. Oh, yeah. It's like, uh, I don't know if I would want to do that in a group of people like that. Totally. I, oh. It, it did make me. It realized like one, it gave me that memory of like seeing kids doing that or seeing those like those little things like advertised on magazine covers. But also I was like, see, this is why magazines and most print media died as soon as the internet came around because now that's just that's just a thing you can do on Facebook. You know, you don't need <laughs> well, to have like, a whole magazine for like never have I ever. You can just people yeah. that's like the never have I ever game where totally. I, I hate when people are like, let's play never have I ever. Or, like yeah. have you ever been in a situation at a party? Oh, yeah. It's like no. <laughs> well, all all of this to say is I like 
Dawson is not written as Dawson in this sequence because if this was any other episode, he'd be like, I'm not participating. Like the drama of the episode mm-hmm. would be Joey being like, why are you always a wet blanket about this stuff? And then, cause like there's like a million reasons why he would not want to participate. One, mm. sex is like always a super uncomfortable subject with Joey. And like, why would he want to put himself through that with his friends being around? And then like, I'd be, that like sets up like easy drama to be like, oh, so you won't talk about sex with me, but you'll talk about with Pacey and Andy and like, and crass. <laughs> It just like seems so weird that suddenly he's like the fun, jolly guy having a good time with not a care in the world to talk about this kind of stuff with Joey present in the room. It makes no sense until, for his character. Until the last question. Oh, yes, And of he's course. staring her down like, like a so creep. creepily. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hated that. God. He's trying so to creepy. exert control over yeah. her. Oh, you definitely. Know? He's yeah. trying to yeah. like, I mean, I think of it that way, but he's also like, so quote unquote heartbroken. I kind of read what she was saying in that first scene is like, you're entitled to be a shithead because especially because you well, got dumped. I don't think, I think he read it that way, but, but like, I think her intention was to be sad, but yeah. he, he's like still angry. Yes. Yeah. Her, she was telling him to feel his emotions. Right. That's what yeah. she was trying to yeah. tell him to do. And he, he heard something completely different, which is what Dawson often does, yes. which he does later in this episode as well, where he just completely takes one thing and then does the complete opposite. Yeah. I also just don't understand why Jen is wooed by crass with the, the wine stuff. And she's right. like, wait, so you don't just want to fuck me right now. Yeah. Even though That's like so romantic, but like everything he says is like, it's so he Transparent. is, it's like, he goes, I, I was taught to choose quality over labels. Well, that can mean anything. Like it could mean that like, he wants a quality body quote and over a label of a relationship. Like that's like, it's just this whole, his whole thing is like, I'm a good boy. I'm a good boy, but I, (laughs) but I'm a bad, but like everything he said was like, Uh, definitely could be read, but either way, Uh, you know, yet again, you know, appearances are not like reality, right? This is not, things are not as they appear. Chris is not crass is not who he says he is. And Jen is falling for it because she is, playing this like bl- like bamboozled, bright-eyed little like babe in the woods. I don't know if she's falling for it though. I think you were onto something earlier when you said she just doesn't really, it's not that she's falling for it because she clearly she is in control and she, because she verbalizes to Dawson that like, what's to say that I don't have my own agenda, mm-hmm. yes, but yeah. like, but she definitely like, isn't, you know, doesn't because really later on she way. tells Dawson like, I know exactly what his yeah, intentions exactly. are. It's my yeah. choice. Yeah. But I wish there was a line or something to be like, yeah, he's a himbo. I don't really give a shit. I'm just trying to get a dick. Yeah. Like, yeah. Instead, because right now it just seems like, well, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's, well, yeah. It, it to me is like she's saying that, but then she's still falling for yeah. what yes. she's saying she's not falling for. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know, because right. it's, yeah. it, it's so transparent that he's just saying whatever he needs to say to get what he wants yeah. in this situation, yeah. which he later verbalizes. But like, it's, it's easy for us to say that. But then at the same time, she's being like, I can see through it. Yeah. But yeah. then her actions are saying, I can't see through this. Exactly. Yeah. I think, I think also it's like, I think both those things are true and that she like maybe was starting to believe that he was yeah. this like mm-hmm. actually like maybe a good guy and kind of like let herself yeah. believe that maybe he was. Yeah. And then is disappointed. Yeah. But at the yeah. same Definitely, time, I don't even think yeah. he's like, I mean, like we're not talking about the wire here. This is Dawson's Creek, but <laughs> there is something very morally gray about his character where he's not necessarily a bad guy, but he's not a good guy either. I mean, he later does like ask for her consent. And so mm-hmm. there's like yeah. a little bit of that where he's just like, 
yeah, I'm cool to fuck if you are. But then later he's like kind of an asshole about it too. Yeah. So it's not like he's good or bad. He's just like this horny dude, which maybe yeah. he's like the most yeah. clearly written young yeah. guy character in this show. I think, I, I think the point against that though, is that when they are looking at the purity test and they realize, oh, we don't have Pacey's answer sheet. He oh, yeah, that's true. then yeah. goes fully mask off and reveals Villain. himself to be a total fucking asshole. And the reason that he does it is, Brass I hole? think, Crass, crass hole. hole. <laughs> Let's get t-shirts made up with crass hole on them. <laughs> getting a tattoo later. <laughs> yeah, like this is so bold of him to do with a group of people. They're all Pacey's friends. Yeah, for sure. They're I mean, all on yeah. like, side that's here. such a villain move. Like, And the only reason, the only person who's out of the loop is Andy. She's the only person who didn't like know that this, yes. or at least know something mm-hmm. was up. Right. She, yeah. Well. Oh, what a crass hole. Is it time for us to take our next break? Yeah, bye. Okay, bye. Ciao. As Crass prepares the hot tub to take Jen to Bone Town, Dawson tells him not to take advantage of her in such a vulnerable state. Chris, sorry. Oh my God. His name is not Chris. His name is Crass. (laughs) Crass then clowns on Dawson, pointing to his bedroom window and stating that when Dawson sees the lights off in that room, he should know that he and Jen are riding the O-Town train. (laughs) Meanwhile, as Jen looks for an appropriate swimsuit to wear while Joey studies, they get into it about their lack of friendliness with one another. As Joey continues to be standoffish, Joey then monologues about not wanting to talk about relationship stuff and would rather... Want a pure experience without talking about it? And Jen agrees. Confusing. Yes. When Jen makes her way to the hot tub, Dawson stops her to fill her in on Crass's intentions. Jen, being the sex positive queen that she is, explains to toddler Dawson that (laughs) of course she knows Crass's intentions, but it's up to her if she wants to reciprocate or not. A great message. As she leaves, Dina pops out claiming she has everyone's quiz answer sheets, revealing that Joey marked her page as having been in love twice. In the tub, as Jen and Crass make out, Crass more or less asks for Jen's consent, saying they don't want to have to mess around if she doesn't want to, but she confirms that she's down to clown. Maybe he's not a monster after all. Meanwhile, Pacey and a still angry Andy talk it out. In our sex-positive king, Pacey explains that he's just naturally horny and she will just have to accept him for who he is. Later, while Andy is still furious with him, he talks to Dawson about the sitch. Dawson says he doesn't know what he would have done if he were in Pacey's shoes, proclaiming he's having a hard time communicating honestly. And Pacey tells him that he needs to try harder. To this, Dawson goes to confront Joey, who still doesn't want to talk. She finally breaks, exclaiming that she just wants to go back to being friends. But Dawson says that it's basically impossible. (laughs) As she leaves, Dina once again pops out like a little gremlin, ready to mock our hero. In turn, he screams in her face about how all relationships are doomed. As she runs away in tears, it's revealed that Joey watched our titular hero yell at a kid, rightfully walking away in disgust. Well, I mean, right off the bat, I had forgotten about this when we were talking about how Crass is an asshole, but the sequence where he's like, if the light's off, I felt like that was just also very douchey. Yeah, and she's too with it. Mm -hmm. Him saying that Jen is too with it, closing the deal requires a completely different strategy. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not good. I mean, no. he's not a good guy. No, I know. <laughs> he's not a good guy, okay. but he asks for consent. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's true. It's good but, to see on screen. Yes. But yeah. at the same time, he's not really, I mean, he's asking for consent. It's like um, doctored consent, right? He's asking for consent about, for like a, for kiss, for, for kissy kissies, <laughs> for kiss. right? And maybe go far. <laughs> maybe big kiss turns into like big O-Town, right? But, but like, he's not. Oh, yeah, exactly. A wooga, a wooga. He's not necessarily like being very truthful in this moment. He is, I don't think he's okay with it just not going to the O-Town Express. I mean, he has a drawer full of swimsuits for visitors. Yeah, who so. doesn't? <laughs> and he just set up this whole thing where he's like, I'm going to take her back there yeah. and I'm going to fuck her brains out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he he just put that out there. So I, I feel like. I 100% yeah. agree, but he didn't have to ask and he did. <laughs> I would say he's a bad guy with some redeeming qualities. Yes, I think yeah. he's a morally conflicting character. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious if if he sticks around and and if like we, you know, there's more that comes from him, his character. I predict that there has to be there more. Has to be, I, yeah. I feel like Jen, I feel like she has to be able to get the power back in this time yeah. it, it, from this relationship. So therefore, he's going to be sticking around mm-hmm. at least a couple more episodes. Next, you know, we have Jen and Joey and it's like, okay, here they are here. We're going to get something right. It was kind of pivotal, but then like, I felt, I felt, I feel like it felt really flat and I was really disappointed in like there. I wish there was like more of like more depth to, to what there, it was confusing. I quite literally do not understand their conversation. Uh, So it's like they were, Okay, so they bond over just wanting wanting to experience life and not wanting to talk about Dawson. Is is it because they kept talking, she kept saying I don't want to talk about it. Is is it like is it Dawson and the whole uh, Dawson my, thing? And she, Joey's like I just want to like experience and not have this drama between us. That I think that is that could be what it was. My take was like I mean she I feel what did she say that she just wants to like. I just want to follow my feelings and not discuss it. it Don't you want to yeah. have something left to just experience? Yeah, I feel like there's something left out, like they cut something out. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe like like Dawson in general just is always like analyzing and wanting to talk about everything. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think she's maybe talking about just being tired of the idea of like having to talk about these feelings all yeah. the time. So maybe... That's how I read it, but I wish there was more. It, it was it was so like vague when she yeah. said, I don't want to talk about it. It seemed like <laughs> the the conversation, does at least to me, did not feel organic. And yeah. it seems like they started with topic A, which is them bickering like right. they usually do. And then they somehow got a topic D, which yeah. is this yeah. experience conversation, but we never saw B and C. Yeah. Exactly. Like there was no... Yeah. The choo-choo train is missing a couple boxcars, if you ask me. No. And, it, and the, like... This mirrored the, the the scene for me between Pacey and Dawson. I wish there had been more of like Pacey like giving Dawson a lesson on how to like emo- like open up emotionally. It was similar. It was like I wanted more there. This whole mm-hmm. like act with b- both of the, them was just fell flat. It's like the like Pacey's in this same act. Pacey's scene with Andy was great. That was yeah. so well written. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I wish we had had that with yeah. the other two with Dawson and Pacey and Jen and Joey. Like yeah, it was confusing. It was just so like fleshed how, out. Yeah, there just like felt like these like nuggets. Yeah, there were some like really great nuggets in yeah. there, but most yeah. of it was just dog it, shit. It also feels weird. Like there's an obligation. I mean, I don't know. I, I, this is probably something we'll never know until we actually finish the series. But I want to know what it was like in the writers' room and if they were pressured to have these uh, like a big emotional 
conversation totally. or big moments. But instead, of, like this would work so much better if this is only in the B story with Pacey and Andy because he gets to have that emotional speech yeah. mm-hmm. where like something is learned. But when you have that coupled with this, this does not make sense with uh, Joey and Jen. So it's like, were they pushing like, well, every story has to have this, even if it's an A story or B yes. story, mm-hmm. no matter what plot, like we have to have like some kind of big emotional conversation where things are learned. But then Joey already does this to Dina later on. So now it feels like doubled up. Now yeah. it's... yeah. Very weird. Yeah. But I guess like on, to speak uh, nicely about something, I do like the conversations about sex that are happening in this episode. Yeah. And I like, again, like the morally gray thing, but I do think that it's interesting that Jen has a not great sexual experience that just like is what it is, but it's not like she's not getting demonized. This isn't Degrassi where she yeah. gets shot after having sex with, sex with Crass. And, Crass. And you have, uh, you know, Pacey obviously being very open and vulnerable about his sexual history with Andy and she just has to accept him for who he is. So at the very least, like those are good messages that are Mm -hmm. going out to 1998 audiences. Yeah, but sorry. I was just going to say, and like we already touched on this earlier, but just Jen saying to Dawson that like, she is aware what he's doing and she can decide for herself. Like, I think that is such a strong, I love that message. Yeah. I'm glad that they included it. You know, and that's what this episode is is so interesting. Much like the play, The Taming of the Shrew, it's like so problematic for so many reasons, but it's also got these redeeming qualities. And I think that we're rightfully, you know, pointing out some of those redeeming qualities. But I do think it's interesting on the subject of, you know, gender roles and power dynamics that Pacey is able to be like, yeah, I had sex with an older woman and I am vilified for it, but that's my past and you just have to accept me for it. And it's kind of like portrayed as this like very, I would say like it's great. It's a great message to put out there. It's what I think more people need to kind of accept, especially with their romantic partners. Their sexual past is their sexual past, and you can't really blame anybody for it. But at the same time, when Jen was talking about her sexual past, she is kind of like made out to be like she should be ashamed for this. The show has kind of like she has she is like has done it in a way that is progressive, but it does feel like if the situation was reversed and this was Andy who had this sexual dark secret that she had to share, it would be it would have been like portrayed as this like wow, P- Pacey is being so amazing for accepting her for this because she should be ashamed of it. But instead when it's Pacey it's like okay, you're right. I just have to accept it. It's hard not yeah. to um because you're right about Jen's, like it's very like shameful and her history is like, it's all built around shame. And I just want to know what that would would have looked similar if she wasn't in a religious household yes. with her grandma because like that has like so much to do with that shame. And like if it was Andy, I wonder if like, is it still similar? It's 1998, so we can just guess yes. Yeah. But I would like to see what that looks like. And I'm sure yeah. we'll get there eventually. We got a hundred more episodes, so. Yep. Yeah. Also just realized we haven't seen Grams in a while. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's been a while. She's stuck in that theater. We need to get one of those X number of days since mm-hmm. last oh, yeah. Grams incident. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's interesting. So Pacey's like, honestly, is the hero of this episode. He's he's amazing. He's like championing all the... Quite literally the hero at the end. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, he's just yeah. doing everything right. And he goes and gives Dawson the advice to try harder, to like make things right. Yeah, but that's right? it. <laughs> Yeah, he could elaborate a little bit more. I I was just like, really, that's it? (laughs) And I love that Dawson hears and he's like, yeah, okay, I got it. I'm going to go try a little bit harder. I know exactly what that means. (laughs) Hey, Joey, I think it's fucked up (laughs) that you didn't fucking tell me that you love two. And he just goes off on Joey. It's just like, he's just such an exhausting character to watch. 
I just want him to learn a fucking lesson. <laughs> I know. And I'm so tired. I have been very cruel. Maybe not cruel. I've been very hard on Joey. Um, Katie Hudson. Is that her name? <laughs> Katie Holmes? <laughs> yeah. But I would love to see in a different dimension Kate Hudson playing Joey. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I've been very hard on her for her angry acting and how annoying it is to me. I'm getting so fucking tired of Jimmy Vanderbeek's <laughs> panting oh my gosh, as yes. he is like trying to articulate a point that he's very emotional and worked up about. And the way that he does that like four or five times an episode now. And he like, it's, it's the same time. It's the same thing. It's always like, but you just don't understand. I just want you to know that you can't do it. It's just like, the, I'm so fucking tired of it. I don't want to see it anymore. Jimmy, please stop. Jimmy. I was so happy when we got Dina mockingly clapping at him. Cause that was like yes. everyone. It was, I felt like it was like us. Like she was us being like, yes. Mm-hmm. Oscar nominated. Way to go. You idiot. Uh, with, with Joey watching him, it mirrored our last episode where out of nowhere, someone was hiding right behind another human being oh, that yeah. someone yes. couldn't for some reason yeah. see. Yeah. That happened a couple times, I think. Yeah, it's very weird that they're just like relying on this, like how... Sight are, gags. Are people just not just doing, just like leaning over a couple <laughs> inches to yeah. the left to notice an entire human being standing right there watching? Well, I think what that is supposed to tell us is that we're all just wearing blinders and mm. we're just sheep <laughs> on a slaughter line and we can't see what's around us and we're all blind and we can only see what's in front of us. Exactly. Wake up people. Sheeple. Sheeple. Uh, Might as well put a phone in their hands while they're at the dinner table. Am I right? Am I right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe unpopular opinion, but I thought, um, I didn't think, Dawson yelling at Dina was like that intense. Like it, the first time I watched it, I was like, whoa, Dawson. Mm. But then when I like rewatched it, I was like, it's not like he's saying like love isn't real. No. Like, no. I feel like his message was like pretty like chill and yeah, he's I, like slightly raising his voice. But then for her to, she like cries almost yeah. instantly. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. It didn't and match up. was like, <gasps> Yeah, but it's like I think eh. that's what this is where I was like, is this like Dawson talking to his younger self and then Joey talking to her younger self, like through mm-hmm. Dina? Yeah. They both Dawson and Joey have known each other since they were both young, and so it's almost like in the, in these moments she's kind of represents like he mm-hmm. maybe he's angry at him himself yeah. for and he's telling her this like to himself, right? Yeah, yeah. She's a representational avatar of youth, not tainted by love. Mm. Exactly. It isn't interesting that Avatar has a movie called The Way of Water, which is probably inspired <gasps> by Dawson's Creek. <laughs> Whoa. It is pretty crazy. I, I was like, you know, don't bet against James Cameron, but I'm sitting in that IMAX theater and it starts off with, I don't want to wait for our lives to be over. <laughs> I was like, what a wow. choice. Yeah. <laughs> I'll show it a bunch of Navi surfing. I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. It's really crazy that they made a documentary about the Navi lifestyle, but they chose to cast it with James Vanderbeek mm. and uh, Katie Hudson. <laughs> Um, wait, can I tell a funny story really quick? Yeah. I've been it's going to be really funny. <laughs> yeah, it's probably, I, I do this thing where I like build up things and then it's like a really bad payoff. So I call it a slam dunk. <laughs> <laughs> um, like months ago, I was in a car. I work with kids and teenagers. I had a teen in my car. I had the 90s station on and I don't want to wait for my life oh. to be over. It came oh. on and I was like, turned it up and I was like having a moment with it. <laughs> yeah. And 
figuring like maybe the kid will be into this. And then as soon as it ended, they were like, can I change the station? It's <laughs> 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 like, yeah, wow. okay, it's fine. <laughs> I just picture you like bopping and mouthing the words to yourself and they're just back there like, okay. (laughs) It was very funny. I laughed hard to myself. I was like, I got to tell everyone. Oh, that's great. Well, on that note. Slam dunk. Yeah, you slam dunk that one. Should we go take a listen to the theme song? Yes. Get prepared to wrap this up? Yep. Sounds great. Bye. An emotionally destroyed Dina. Dina sobs alone in her room. Joey pops in for a pep talk in the form of gloom and doom. But don't worry. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Siri wanted to say something. But don't worry, Siri or precocious child. Joey insists that for every nine duds, there's at least one stud (laughs) to make it all worth it. As though our heroes were dosed with some of that Joker sleeping gas, Dawson awakes the next day at dawn, fearfully waking his friends that they wasted those precious study hours on catching Zs. Meanwhile, in Crass's room, a naked Jen wakes up to Crass acting a little too casual. Expecting at least a little romance, Crass instead thanks her for a fun night and that he'll meet her downstairs. Yikes. Together again, Pacey takes charge for a speedy study sesh before class starts, something that we all know must have made Andy hot to trot. A study (laughs) montage ensues, which culminates in these brainiacs having just one thing left to do, jump in the pool to the sweet sounds of third wave ska. As they get out of the water, Pacey and Andy reconcile with a smooch. Back in the house, Joey and Dawson find themselves alone, and Joey admits that the two people she had loved previously were both Dawson. He <laughs> gives her a hashtag no regret speech about the relationship and that he'll always love her. Before rushing out the door for the test, Dawson finds a sleeping Dinadina, and he plants a big wet smooch on her forehead. <laughs> when the gang leaves, she opens her eyes awake in the satisfaction of seducing an older man. Later at school, who would have guessed it? Class is canceled once again. Having no pool to jump in to celebrate this news, the gang instead goes out to the football field and falls asleep on the 50-yard line. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love Pacey that he fell asleep on the pool too. Yeah. I know. <laughs> so good. That's with like a book under his yeah. face or something like he was perfect Pacey. Yeah. The, uh, not a lot happens here. I mean, I, I liked not the, a lot happens. We got a pool jump. Yeah. Pool jump was fun. That's that part. Was, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I liked the, um, oh, excuse me, the, um, cram session montage. Yeah. I thought that was fun and relatable. Just like, yeah. I feel like there were so many times where I just had to fucking cram so hard for tests. Definitely. Um, not and, in high school though. That that's the only thing I thought of. Yeah, in mm-hmm. college I did a lot of that. In high school it was mostly like, oops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was like late today. night. Like <laughs> n- late night cramming was more of a college thing for me. Not like, yeah. Oh, well, no. I was definitely a slacker in high school, so <laughs> uh, definitely had a lot of that. Um, but just yeah, loved Pacey overall. Yeah, here um, taking charge, and um, yeah, I thought he was very charming. I loved it. My. I mean, I, I think that it, it was it was really like cool to see him step in and become 
you know, like the guy. Yeah. Mm. He hasn't really had that moment where like he does something right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like something good. It's always like, oh, I fucked up, but you all like me still, right? And they're mm-hmm. like, sure, Pacey, I guess. There's a lot more. I mean, like, James, I think you're nail on the head with Taming of the Shrew. That's like the main analog here. But just another kudo to Much Ado About Nothing. Uh, in Much Ado About Nothing, uh, Beatrice and Benedict, who are the analogs for Andy and Pacey, uh, in that story, the, that's the B story, but a lot of people, their main takeaway from after reading that or watching the play, you go, well, like, well, that's the best part. That's right. like the main story, at least for me. And it really feels that way in this episode too. Like Pacey and Andy's relationship dynamics and him, you know, like he actually gets an arc in this and he takes charge at the end. He saves the day in the end. And that really feels like the secret a story. That's the secret mm-hmm. sauce of this episode, which makes it a little better than trash. And whereas <laughs> like everything else kind of just <laughs> flounders and feels very weird. Yeah. Yep. So that's something that I do take out of this. And uh, if we're going to get a little cinematic with this conversation, they all jump into a pool at the end and oh, yeah. water, water rebirth baptism. Totally. That's what it takes for them to finally reconcile at the end of this episode, Andy and Pacey and a little bit with Joey and Dawson, but I don't really want to get into that because who could give a fuck, but <laughs> Andy and Pacey, that feels like that's their rebirth moment. They can Definitely. come towards like some kind of compromise with each other and understand each other better than they did before baptism. Yes, and Uh, then they have the wet kiss at the end. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I do think it's interesting. Like, I feel like in the last episode too, I'm just noticing a lot of like continued growth for Pacey. Oh yeah. Yeah. The most growth out of anyone. Um, And I'm just like, like it feels so easy for him. Like, yeah, he's just like, I don't know if it's because he's being put in these situations where he like, is able to grow. We see him like doing the right thing and like telling the truth and stepping up. Um, and so I, I, yeah, I just wonder if they're like writing it him into these situations so we can see him grow purposely versus like really yeah. just going slow with Jen and Joey and Dawson. I think yeah, it's kind of, you know, I, I know I keep beating this over the head, but I think it really is this kind of like nod to Shakespeare and appearances not being what they they are. Mm-hmm. Pacey is the one person who is what he appears. He is always himself. He doesn't really try to hide mm-hmm. what he is doing or, or more, more specifically who he is. He's always acting like himself. Right. Except for, I guess the one surprise is like people th- don't think he's as smart as he is. And here you have him help, like actually yeah. helping everyone and knowing like, you know, the, where he's like, I'm a professional crammer, but really like he, he, it seems like he does absorb the information. Yeah. That, and that's like, where I'm learns. like, Okay, wait, hold on. Like, so you're a slacker, right? You get C's. Smart slacker. Maybe yeah. a D if you can't if you can't cheat. But you know all of the details about all of these books. Like I, I kind of already that, knew that from some previous episodes where he's done this before. You I know, believe he like that knows. he's a slacker and that he yeah. he like is good at cramming. I just don't believe that he knew all of the question, <laughs> the answers to these questions that he's now running a quiz. He's like, name okay, Beowulf, name a, a monster in three. Thing? What, what was it? Anyway, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I guess how that's you- what I'm saying, though. I think that, like, he, that's one of the surprises because he's done this before where he, like, I think it was with Miss Jacobs in the literature sure. or something and where it's, like, he when he actually applied himself, he did have that information in, mm. like, he knew that information. It's just that he's a slacker. Yet again, appearances are not 
Right. Reality. Exactly. Yeah. But I think with Pacey, there's also the chicken and the egg thing of like, is he actually a slacker or is he just like giving in to what people tell totally. him that yeah. he is? Like, was like he ever family. actually a slacker or is he just saying, I guess I'm a slacker. That's what people tell me. So I'm right. just not going to care. Plus, we know that there yeah. is a little bit of depression there because his family treats him like shit. Totally. He never thinks he's yeah. going to leave this town in kind of a Joey way. But for him, he's like, well, everyone's a fucking cop. They expect me to either be that or nothing. So yeah, it's yeah. like, why should I even give a shit? But now I think he's surrounding himself with people like Andy, which gives him a confidence boost to yeah. say yeah. like, oh, like being a slacker kind of sucks. And if I actually apply myself and do something, it actually benefits the people around me instead of just like being a little shit. But also on that side too, I wonder if it's a casting thing too. Cause when Pacey was originally written as a character, he's just horny 15, whatever. Yeah. Like he was mainly written just to be like, I guess like the comedic clown character, but Joshua Jackson has like such a natural magnetic charisma to who he is that I wonder if right. the writers' room started to realize that and they're like, well, we need to write like who Joshua Jackson is because Give a like part. Yeah, yeah, we need to like do something with him because he's so much more than just yeah. someone who can just like make Dawson laugh every once in a while. Right. Yeah, and I'm sitting here now. You you just made me think. Like I'm sitting here talking about how Pacey is effectively non-disguised, right? He's being himself. He's being authentic to who he is. But this is now making me realize maybe he's using this slacker thing as a disguise, right? It's some amount of like armor against the world if he, if everybody just thinks he's a fuck up. When in reality, he knows all this shit. He's way smarter than he thinks he is. He just saved everybody's ass because he actually is intelligent and aware of what's happening. He's not really a slacker. So just like Chris is using a disguise to get Jen, Chris is, or sorry, crass. Uh, just like Crass <laughs> is using a disguise, Pacey is also using a disguise. It's just he's using his disguise to kind of get through everyday life and the world mm-hmm. around him. And yeah, we we may not have found out how he is if it weren't for Andy. True, you know. Mm-hmm. Also, another thing with identity, I do like. I mean, I do not like this plot point with Joey and Dawson. It's kind of exhausting, but you, the you don't say the <laughs> the reveal of the two Dawsons that I fell in love with. Oh my god! I, I know that's it. dumb, but at the same time, I do like that there's an acknowledgement that people do change over time. Totally, yes. And you can recognize that, like, oh, I was in love with this version of you and this version of you. Mm-hmm. Those can be two separate things because no one is just this like stoic nothingness that is that doesn't change throughout their entire life. I am. No. That's me. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I've been this way since birth. <laughs> you were born of the King Giz shirt. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and that band was like, we should name our band after this guy's shirt that he was born with. That's crazy. Uh, but I th- I mean, like, at least there's, like, that's kind of interesting. I agree. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I feel like we've gotten to this point multiple times where it's like, okay, maybe we're at the end of the Dawson and Joey God, saga. Damn. And, like, this scene where they, you know, have this, like, nice, like, neutral conversation where he promises to give her space. Um I'm like, okay, maybe this is some closure and this will allow Joey to have some time to explore who she is. But I just have this gut feeling yeah. that in a few episodes, I don't buy it. yeah, we're yeah. going to like be back to one of them chasing the other. And oh, yeah. Yep. So that feels like a bummer. My favorite thing about that interaction is it's it's supposed to be like emblematic of Dawson like learning, right? And to like listen and like be a good partner and give, and he's saying he's going to give her space, but the way he starts is, can we talk? Do me a favor and don't say anything. Okay. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. I got a lot to say and you're going to fuck it up if you say anything, but can we talk real quick? Well, should we move on to ratings? Yeah. All I got to say is who needs sleep? We have a question, James. I feel like you had talked about a very cinematic shot. My favorite shot 
of the entire show so far, the best shot of the show so far was jumping in the pool. That's that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm speaking of. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. The slow mo and yeah. the the uh, I think they're on a dolly or something to get that that nice smooth motion as they're all seamlessly jumping in the pool. Also, I mean, you know, they would get wet, so they had to like dry off or that was like, they got it in one. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like I think it's, it was really cool and they all had like their own little way of doing it. It's, and it kind Andy's of was cool. Perfect. Oh, dive. beautiful dive. <laughs> we talked about that oh also earlier. God. Yeah. We didn't, Dawson I, doing a flip, which yeah. is like okay. yeah. crazy. Pacey should have done the flip Dawson. Mm, you, yeah. mm-hmm. yep, you yep. probably should have just been like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Belly slipped and yeah. fell in. You fucking loser. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Cody, you want to go? My rating is a three. This is a middle-of-the-road episode for Dawson's Creek. Um, Yeah, I mean, like, what is left to be said? The Joey and Dawson stuff is kind of weird. Characters were written very weird. Didn't really like a lot what was going on. Um, Things that I do like, jumping in the pool was fun. Uh, I like that we had, like, a very sex-positive, or at least, like, sex is just a thing. It doesn't have to be good or bad kind of conversation, which feels very progressive for 1998. Yeah. Um, felt like the momentum was kind of there for the, their their evening. Um, but again, they're using a lot of montages to just like get through stuff. So there's good, there's bad. It's whatever. This is a fine episode. Also with that caveat too, uh, IMDB, the incel movie database, um, <laughs> where the neckbeards just love stuff with white people, uh, they gave this episode a 7.9. I am kind of shocked. Like, yeah. And looking at reviews, people are like, this is a super fun episode. I, oh, no. Oh, I don't really know. If our listeners feel that way, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, let us know if we do not get it. Yeah, I'll go next. Um, I am also giving it a three. I had fun watching it surface level, you know, I mean, fun. The pool was fun. Like the montage is all fun, <laughs> but there are definitely some moments that where I was left wanting more. Um, I wish Jenna and Joey's moment was a little more fleshed out. Same with Pacey and Dawson. I wanted more from their conversation specifically for Pacey to give Dawson actual advice and not just like try harder. Yeah. I want more. I wanted more from that because we saw Pacey, you know, express himself so eloquently to Andy. So um, I hated Chris's character, but it was nice to see Jen verbalize Crass, Crassel's character, but it was nice <laughs> to see, see Jen verbalize that she's capable of being in control of her situation and she knows what's going on. Um, and then I just don't believe that Dawson will give Joey space. So I don't know. We'll, sh- we'll see. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it a 1.75. Okay. Yeah. Really thought this was a dud. Um, I did, I mean, it did move along quickly, which was nice. I feel like the pacing was good. Um, Yeah, very few highlights. You know, like Mal said, Jen speaking her truth. Um, And Pacey and Andy's chemistry was a highlight, but otherwise I just felt like a whole lot of nothing happened. Really tired of Joey Mm. and Dawson, obviously. Um, Yeah, boo. Yeah, wow. Well, um, I thought I was going to be the party pooper with my 1.94, but Stella, you beat me with the 1.75, but I completely agree. I think this episode fucking sucks so hard. I hated watching it. Honestly, it, it, I hope that you guys thought that I was enthusiastic about this episode because of the taming of the shrew thing, but you have no idea how long it took me to feel excited about this fucking shit heap of an episode. I hated it. 
it wasn't good. Okay. I'm just going to leave it at that. I, I don't, I mean, I, I'm not going to pretend I could do any better, but man, it, it was really hard to watch. It was not fun. I thought it was paced terribly. Mm. I thought it was very slow. Like I just felt like I was watching paint dry, except the paint was the shade of Dawson. It was just <laughs> so boring. Um, but the pool jumping scene was really cool. So <laughs> 1.94 for me. I'm surprised Cody that you didn't rate that like a 0.5. You yeah. were so generous with your three. I mean, nothing really offended me. It's yeah. like once like, th- or not like when I say offended, I mean that not in the way of like offending me in like a moral way. Right. I, I just thought it, uh, it was shot fine. It looks fine. It's moving. It like nothing was, it wasn't the room. So sure. I'm like, yeah, what, yeah. whatever. Like it's, it's an episode of TV that I watched. Yeah. Um, I didn't hate it as much as y'all, but I don't know for me, it's just whatever. Nothing, nothing really. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, you know, we've talked about this a couple times, how we're excited to see the episodes that the writing room was just like, oh, I don't know, guys, what are we doing this week? This feels like an episode where they're like, <laughs> I don't know what we're doing this week. And somebody's like, mm-hmm. I just saw the taming of the shrew. Do you guys want to do a Shakespeare <laughs> thing? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, I guess that could work. I mean, again, like the only thing that really elevates this episode for me is like a very sex positive yes. message yeah. that I think is important even now, yeah. and even more important in 1998. Definitely. And I think if it didn't have that, then I'd probably be, sinking this down sure. to like a yeah. two or a one just for blatantly being something that just shouldn't exist. Yeah. It felt like yeah. such an aimless episode. Yeah, there were some nice messages and there are some redeeming qualities. So we'll give it that. But let's move on to recommendations, yeah? Mm-hmm. All right, so this week I have another musical recommendation. Actually, I guess last week I recommended a mobile game called Doncaster. I'm still playing the shit out of that. It's amazing. Um, but I'm going to recommend an album called Inside Outside by an artist called Pipe Eye. That's P-I-P-E hyphen E-Y-E. Uh, it's also uh, the guy, his name is Cook Craig. He's a fantastic guitar player and kind of producer. He produces these albums himself. It's kind of like a, I would, I don't know, it's like indie bedroom pop. It's really fun. It's really quirky. It's kind of funky. I think if you are a fan of like, I don't know, I would say like Talking Heads. It's kind of got like mm. similar funky vibes that Talking Heads had, though it's more modern and it's not quite like outsider pop. But anyway, Inside Outside, it's a fantastic album. It's got a good mix of songs that are just like pretty and nice to listen to and then some songs that are kind of just like funky and weird. So it's fun. You should take a listen to it. Also, uh, Craig, Cookie, cookie Craig, Cookie Dog, Cookie dog, 40, f- cookie dog. What's happening? I'm having What's a stroke. <laughs> uh, cookie dog, 69. <laughs> uh, he is also one of the guitar players for King Gizzard and the Lizard. Oh, Wizard. Uh, he's fantastic and I love him very much. Uh, and yeah, you should go listen to King Giz. Always <laughs> and forever. Um, I am going to recommend How To with John Wilson. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, so right now uh, the third season is airing. This will be the last season. It's on HBO. Uh, It's a docuseries that um, it's almost like a, I feel like Cody has described it as like a visual essay. Totally, Um, yeah. Yeah, so John Wilson lives in New York. He picks a topic where it's like how to do X and like, a recent one was like how to find a public bathroom. Mm -hmm. And it's like he'll start with this like one topic and then it just turns into something it's like you never really know how he's going to get to the next like the final Mm -hmm. kind Mm -hmm. of like topic or um lesson lesson yeah Yeah. um and it's usually like so like 
unpredictable and beautiful and funny and strange. Like he meets so many weird people and great people. And like sometimes these amazing stories are told and it's just like every episode I'm like, Oh my God, this is the best episode. Like each one is just so, so good. He's so smart and so funny. Um, his landlady, his landlady. Yeah. Yes. Um, produced by Nathan Fielder. Who's amazing. Um, very sad that the show is ending. Definitely recommend going and watching it all. Yeah. Yep. You you guys introduced us to that show and we watched it and then you were caught been, up now. You, so. Yeah, you've oh, been talking awesome. about it yeah. recently. So we went and binged all nice. everything yeah. to get current and it's been such an enjoyable watch. Yeah. It is just so like weirdly heartwarming because yes. sometimes it's like sad or gross or weird, but it, like it always kind of hits this like heartwarming, positive, wholesome kind of feel in the end of it. And I think Cody's description of it being a, uh, a visual essay is so on point because that's, yeah, it really is that. I mean, John Wilson, I'm sure Cody, you can speak to this better than I. Well, we talk about a lot of things, right? Like nuanced writing and show don't tell. And that's all totally that he does. Like he'll narrate what you're seeing visually yeah. and his narration is always kind of like a silly joke, but what you're seeing visually really informs totally. what he's saying and adds another layer to yeah. the thesis of what every episode is. And it's very smart. Yeah. I love it so, so much. Also, also Nathan, Nathan Fielder is like a producer on it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, I also recently found out that John Wilson has a Vimeo, which has oh, uh, like yes. 10 oh, other fun. like mini episodes of how to's and that's oh, like cool. where oh, it started. Nice. And I think HBO like must've seen this and sure gave yeah. him the show, but it's a pretty cool thing to see like where he got to start. That's, that's so cool. Cool. I'll go next. I am recommending the after party. Yeah. So on Apple TV, that was the other one I was like, oh, okay. to <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. We've been, Loving it. Um, so the, it's an ensemble murder mystery comedy series. There are two seasons. We just finished watching the first season and um, are starting. We've just started the second. Uh, so in the first season, a murder occurs at a high school reunion and the attendees try to remember what happened. Each episode focuses on a different character's memory or story of what happened in the style of a different genre of film. So, for example, one character's episode is like an action movie. There's a, another's is a horror. There's a musical, etc. <laughs> And it's just so fun and such a creative way of like exploring the murder mystery genre itself and, and the characters. Like I love, I love Sam Richardson. We just watched him in Ted Lasso and he is like so good in that and seeing him in this be like so different is amazing. Oh, I didn't know (laughs) he was in Ted Lasso. Yes. Oh, Mm. he plays a great character. It's unbelievable. Like I, yeah, his his range is, yeah. I love him, him and Veep and Detroiters, like his yeah. Entire he's, filmography is yeah. excellent. He's he just seems like the kind of guy where I mean, at least watching him in the after party, he feels like we're talking about with Pacey, so authentic. Like mm, he's got this yeah. undeniable chemistry where like I just believe whatever he's doing on screen. He's just yeah, so he's cool. So good. <laughs> the second season has been really good. I don't know. Yeah. If, yeah. yeah we started, started it. Yeah. It's yeah. Last night, was it? We anyway. watched the first episode. Yeah. So I can't wait to watch more. Very, very good. Yeah. Well, in my mind, Spooktober starts September first. And at the time of this recording, that is right around the corner. So my recommendation this week is Chuck Russell's 1988 remake of The Blob, starring Kevin Dillon and Shawnee Smith. For those not in the know, it's a creature feature in which a small town is plagued by a sentient growing goo that feeds on people. The town black sheep takes charge and trying to save the day as the titular blob wreaks havoc. 
For me, this scratches a very specific spooky itch. I love narratives about small towns, slashers, stories that take place over a single day or night. And the creature gore effects in this are absolutely insane. If you are sick to death of the modern CGI blood shit, this will pop your top. It is so cool seeing people's faces melting, limbs getting just like melted off of bodies. It is so cool. Plus, it's just a fun fun movie it's an only an hour and a half too so you're in you're out yeah. you're having a great time um if you're into horror at all and you haven't seen this it's a huge recommendation totally. for me i know shout put out a blu-ray a couple of years ago and there's a new 4k restoration coming out on Ooh. october 17th so check it out blind buy it totally if you're into this shit it's, it's completely so fun. worth it the Blob and The Stuff are two of those movies stuff rules. that <laughs> yeah. I, I watched thinking they were going to be absolutely terrible because they just kind of have this look of 80s horror yeah. that's like kind of low budget, but maybe it's just like, it's because it's practical. You know, it's before special effects for the most part. It's like a lot of practical effects. And I don't, I don't know. The Blob is just so, so good. Thank you for reminding me of that because I really would yeah, like to go back it. and watch that. <laughs> Yeah, I can't find it like on any streaming services, but Movie Madness has it. They have the the shop Blu-ray for a couple of years ago, but nice. I think like once it hits 4K, like much more be worth buying. Yeah, just grab it. It's so good. So next time on Freaks and Creeks, we will be talking about season two, episode eight, The Reluctant Hero. As a film festival prize fails to reunite Dawson and Joey, Andy sets out to help Pacey get his life on track. Whoa. Mm. Is this the film festival? I know. We yeah. shall see. Yeah. Well, I, if I, they bring like, that does back, he get I'll be blown away. A Do prize? You, remember when we heard from a listener e- listener email that like season one and two were sp- the first year split up over two years? And we yes. also talked about like how it, the seasons, maybe, I mean, it feels like it's been a long time ago, but in mm. universe, it's only been a couple of months. So what? Yeah. True. Holy shit. <laughs> I, I think it might be. I mean, what else what film festival wow. prize would it be? Do you think they... Oh man, I can't. I hope. I hope we get to see more clips of their student of that so. shitty oh creature feature knockoff they made. Wow. Well, I can't wait to watch this movie. Can you imagine wait. going to a film? <laughs> imagine going to a film festival and you watch a screening of someone just doing a shitty version of uh, The Ring. God. Like we're like just yeah. like, like like what the fuck? Like how is this here? Like right. why are we watching this? The Circle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess it's that time. We are done with this week's episode. So thank you all so much for listening. If you've enjoyed the episode, please go ahead and subscribe to our show and join us as we continue to set sail through Dawson's Creek one episode at a time. If you want more Freaks content, please visit our website, freaksandcreeks.com, and you can find us on Instagram at freaksandcreekspod. Or go ahead and send us an email at show at freaksandcreeks.com. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.